0: wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business listen in to find out how welcome to women inspired i'm your host lindy Ugalow, and on this show i interview artists healers change makers and entrepreneurs about what fires them up how they put their dreams into action and how you can learn from their expertise and perhaps you have you know wonder what do i do when uh, you know, if I start off with something and it fails and it doesn't work out. Well, today I have the founder of Mindful Marketing and a serial entrepreneur who's going to help us navigate through all of that. Welcome, Christine
1: Perquet. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes,
0: yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, your work, Mindful Marketing, and just a bit about your, um, the businesses you've had.
1: Okay, sure. So my day job is Mindful Marketing NPR. Uh, This is our 21st year, and we work with global organizations, mostly in technology, but also healthcare, higher education, um, transportation, and some consumer, and we help them to market, brand, amplify, and create content for their marketing programs.
0: Okay, so you don't just do, let's say, social media for them, you also create the kind of posts that they would be putting out, and what other kinds of things?
1: Everything from branding and messaging, so how they position, whether they're a startup or um, an organization that's been around for a long time and needs kind of a refresh for the centuries, so so to speak, Um, will help them with new logos, web design. um, So everything from the beginning of where they're coming from, from messaging and branding, to then the actual execution of marketing and PR. So uh, marketing content, social media management, training them on social media, how to use it to amplify either their personal brand or their corporate brand, um, creating the content and media relations, uh, helping them to get speaking gigs, which I know we're gonna talk a little bit about and uh, just build up their thought leadership as a brand or an individual if we're working with like a CEO or, or someone from that perspective. Yeah. So, one of the things that you've thought a lot about is
0: how to deal with, with change. Yes. Where does, how does that come in? You've had other companies? Tell I, I do. I
1: have, um, I've started a software company in 2013 that was actually a spin-off of something we uh, started doing for our clients within Mindful Marketing and PR. So, it was an, a measurement tool basically to analytically show the value of what you're getting out of your marketing and PR programs. So we built a, pr- a prototype within the agency and then after consulting with lawyers and advisors decided to make that a completely separate company. It was called c uh, and that was from 2013 to 2018. We just brought it back into Mindful Marketing uh, this year after an attempt to get it off the ground as a separate company and get uh, investor uh, funds. Um, I had a, a team, we had what's called an MVP, which is a, a minimal viable product. Uh, we had customers such as David's Bridal and some PR agencies that were uh, paying paying customers, but it wasn't fast enough for investors, so we weren't able to unfortunately close VC funding and made the decision to bring it back into the agency as, as a separate offering. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit disappointing, but uh, a lot of good lessons about Doing some things too quickly. Uh, I reached out to bigwigs in my network a little bit earlier than I probably should have. Um, probably should have tried to go for some angel funding. So some good lessons there on on building your business. Yeah. And then I also have um, my latest venture is a paddleboard, stand-up paddleboard, and apparel company that we don't even have the website up yet, but we do. We did just uh, announce our first products. So. Um, they're custom stand-up paddle boards, so you can choose your color, your length, etc. But uh, something we're doing that's a little bit different is designs that are meant to inspire. So I have a, a pink board because I love pink, um, and on the front of it, um, on the deck where you stand and look when you're paddling, is a heart with a design, and it says "worthy," and it's meant to, for you to be able to choose what your inspiring word is. A lot of people do yoga on stand-up paddle boards, um, and so it's a very zen place often, and we wanted to. Give them the opportunity to kind of customize those boards with something else that would inspire them. So we're just launching that as well. Wow, it's so exciting. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you. And and
0: also fun. I mean, what it what it shows me is that like having started a business, starting a business is not something that um, you know stifles you or like confounds you. Like, oh my gosh, how do I go about this? You know, you not have, anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Exactly. <laughs> But, for so many people who haven't started a business, it is confounding yes um, how do you what would you how do you recommend like what people think about when they're starting a business what do you what are some of the steps that you're going through to to run and market this new venture?
1: Sure, sure. so um, sorry, one of the first things that you think about is funding. Are you going to self fund are you going to try and raise money from Uh, investors, are you going to try and raise money from family and friends, maybe you're going to do um, social fundraising, Um, like GoFundMe for example, where you say this is my idea, don't you love it, will you please give me some money. Um, So depending on on what you want to do and what your capability is to manage that, that's probably the first thing. Um, And then if you are going to individually, uh, personally fund it, how far you can take that. The other things that I would say to think about immediately. And I actually had a, a woman in the town that I live in, Marshfield, Massachusetts. Her and her husband are thinking of um, opening a new coffee kind of donut sandwich shop. And she asked if I would sit down with them and just give them some some advice. And the first thing that I would say other than, where's the money gonna come from, is um, get a good bookkeeper and a great accountant. <laughs> because and, and a good lawyer, because so, you're going to need all three of those. And you're going to need them throughout your journey. So I luckily, have those now. I didn't when I first started Mindful Marketing um, and quickly learned lessons, you know, just all of the the legalese and the requirements for taxes and things like that that you need to do. And then again, depending on your business, that's a small business example, the coffee shop, but maybe you're thinking of doing something like Mindful Marketing, which, you know, we work with uh, companies around the world. Um, And I, at one time, had 30 employees throughout the United States. I had to pay taxes in every state that I employed someone. So these are the kinds of things that you don't necessarily think about when you're first starting, which is why a lawyer can be very helpful in this instance and, and other business advisors. I would think about who who could you approach as a mentor or even just a casual advisor. As that couple came to me and asked, um, so definitely lean on your network.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, I mean that's something that I wouldn't have thought about either to have employees that are in different states and with that maybe change how you would have hired
1: if you had realized
0: that or have Um, you maintained that kind of spread across the country?
1: I haven't now but not because of that reason. Um, I had a a shift uh, so we had 30 employees until the 2008 recession Mm -hmm. um, which lasted quite quite a few years and in those years I also um, separated from my husband and started going through a divorce and got sued at the same time. So within those years, it was a very tumultuous time. And um, that's why we don't have 30 employees right now. I scaled down during those difficult times just because I needed to mentally. I wasn't in a great place to continue the business as it was. And also because we were spinning off sea depth. So I, I scaled it down from that perspective. But to your question, I don't think it would change. I just would have been better prepared. I had really tremendous employees uh, throughout the U.S., specifically in uh, Michigan and San Francisco, and San Francisco was a very key place for us to be, especially during the tech boom. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would still do it, I just would have been better prepared. Mm-hmm. So you allude
0: to this very tumultuous time in your life. Yes. How do you, how do you stay in business when you are undergoing those enormous life changes? Earthquakes.
1: Yeah, they were earthquakes. Um, I would say that I I was forced to because I was being sued and um, I needed to defend myself. So I I, and I I was a single mother of two sons at the time, um, so I didn't have choice really. Excuse me. I I suppose I could have gotten a real job, um, but I also had loyalty to employees that I had at that time. Although I did scale back and, and let several go, many of them are still good friends of mine. And we had, you know, heart-to-heart conversations about where the business is at, where the economy is at, and where I was at, and how I would do anything to help them get a better position at the time because I just didn't have what they needed at the time. And some of them had been with me for a decade, um, so it was very, very painful. Uh, like I said, several of them are still good friends, and it's it's definitely worked out, but. it it was a very challenging time in terms of making really tough decisions. So how how did you navigate that? Um, I think mostly leaning on a good network, Uh, everything from professional network to personal network. So professionally knowing that you could scale down and it's not the end, Um, talking about how to position it publicly um, making sure that peop- that clients were okay and didn't think that this was like the business closing so we're like I said entering our 21st year and that obviously didn't happen It's, it's been very good we, we've come back stronger we actually rebranded in October, changed the name, changed the logo celebrated our 20th anniversary so it came back to to a good place um, for that shift and that pivot but leaning on Business Network to know that It would be okay and then leaning on a you know personal network that's there for you no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. I don't I'm a very I'm I'm ironically an introverted person Uh, I I need quiet I need alone time I don't have a big network of friends I have a handful (laughs) but the handful would do anything for me and I can rely on them and you need those people in your life so whether you're a big extrovert and you have 20 friends that you rely on, or you're like me and we're introverted and you have five, as long as you have those people in your life and, and you take advantage of sharing with them what's happening mm-hmm. and not pretending that everything's okay. I think that's something that's difficult, particularly for women. Um, you know, we can be very competitive. We always want to look like things are perfect, especially now with social media. Everybody presents their most perfect life. And it can be intimidating. It can be difficult to feel like you're not keeping up. And so you have to keep it real with with those real friendships too. Yeah, I, I I really like what you
0: said about positioning to your clients, that that, and and kind of thinking internally of yourself that it's not the end of the world, because that that has to be accommodated for. There are going to be times whether there are mistakes that you made right. or there are external forces that force you to, um, that's going to impact your business in sometimes a negative way. Right. How do you, what would you, what mindset or what thinking process would you recommend for people who are having to face that reality to
1: adopt? I would say the mindset is to trust yourself. And I say that a lot. You'll hear me when I do uh, speeches, I talk about trusting your gut. It is a lesson that I have been taught over and over and over again in this career journey. Um, It's part of the reason why I was sued. I didn't trust my gut and let go of someone when I should have. I let other people talk me out of it and it came back uh, in a negative way. Luckily, it all ended up okay. I I won twice (laughs) that decision from a a judge and then a jury. So it ended up being okay. Um, But when you're in it, it most definitely doesn't feel okay and the reason I got there is because I didn't trust my gut and that's happened several times. I've had clients that paid a lot of money but treated us very poorly, treated my team poorly and some people would think I was crazy for letting go a a client uh, for that reason but I did, The, the largest paying client we ever had, I actually ended the relationship with them out of principles and I had to trust that I was doing the right thing because that's who I am, that principles, those principles mattered to me and that we would recover and be okay and we were and it was fine and most of the team was very grateful for that some of them were like that's
0: crazy. <laughs> but you know I, I think that's really wise because if someone is negatively creating negative energy for you that's going to impact your ability to serve your other clients Correct. Yeah. and so you owe it to the clients who are
1: you know appreciative and are your, you know, your favorite clients and to my employees. And to your so employees. If I have unhappy employees, they're not going to do a good job, to your point, right. for the clients. Um, so it, it was a difficult decision, but I would do it again. It was the right one. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually I'm very proud of that decision because mm-hmm. I did it for the right reasons that matter to me, which come back to trusting what matters to me and, and trusting my gut mm-hmm. to uphold that. And you also spoke about, like, how do I
0: position this or message this for, let's say, the public face? How do you do that so that it doesn't seem like, you know, how do you like you knew you knew in your gut that this was the best thing, but how do you let your your clients and your your followers or your audience know that so
1: particularly in that situation in regards to letting go of the larger client we didn't really have to message that in any way Mm
0: -hmm.
1: only to the client that we were letting go and I was very frank of the reasons they also had a very uh, revolving door so we're typically managed by VPs of marketing or chief marketing officers and I think this woman was like the third in as many months so that was another reason that is a good business reason Um, so we didn't really have to message that outside of the conversation with them but when it came to um, starting C-depth on the side and making sure that my clients didn't think I was too distracted and how is my time going to be divided and those sorts of things. Luckily, it was related to what we do, um, so I could position it that way. Um, And publicly, we would position it as an extension uh, or the next step in the evolution of marketing and PR, so we tied it back to what I do uh, for for my day job, what I do. Um, making marketing and PR better will come to serve our clients better as well and then they would have access to this tool but we also wanted to make it accessible to the industry to move the industry forward. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of the narrative that ties to what you do but also um, and, and what's happening within within the um, company but also kind of what the advantages will be after. With scaling the company down um, The way that it's positioned and and the way that the company has evolved is that I was starting this other business and um, not everyone was going to be involved in that, but also I wanted to change my relationship with my clients. So as my career has evolved, I know more, as we all do as we get older and hopefully wiser, what I want to do and what I don't want to do and I knew that I wanted more involved relationships with clients in a more strategic role. So scaling down mindful marketing has allowed me to personally work with a smaller set of clients in a more strategic role. So again, you have to think about how you can message uh, the narrative and what's happening and what the benefit can be. And the benefit for my clients has been, I'm now kind of um, in the role of uh, an interim chief marketing officer very often, um, I'll come in, and they'll get more of my time as a senior executive, versus when we were a larger agency, they not all of them worked with me at all. Um, so it was just a, kind of a change and shift in the business model, mm-hmm. and that's how we messaged it. That was mm-hmm. a very long answer. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah So it's kind of more high touch. <laughs> yes. That you're more engaged in in the business, so that they get more of you, and you can oversee the whole the larger strategy. So what right. they're doing is more targeted and presumably more effective and it's um we also
1: added on consulting so I'll come in and work with the chief marketing officer to build up their team Mm -hmm. Um, I've had chief marketing officers it's the first time they've been a CMO and they really don't know all the different facets of the marketing function Um, and so they have asked me to come in and help them build the team and hire the right people and identify what those roles should be and then Train the team for them and, and then they go on their merry way. So it's kind of almost more project oriented now than ongoing retainers all the time. We still do do that. And I do still have a small team that we work together on the full marketing function. But it's allowed me to do some of these more strategic consulting roles as well, which right. I really enjoy.
0: So, what, what uh, I know th- uh, we're going a little, there are lots of different ways we can go here, yeah. but I'm very curious like when you go into a marketing um, department. What is it that you find that they're mostly missing or not understanding or seeing?
1: Mostly analytics, Um, not really taking a look at what's working and what isn't, and not being fully aware of how to make a pivot if they need to. So I have some really great partners that I've pulled in now as an extension of our team as well. Uh, Another way to kind of expand the business into more of the marketing side than just the PR side that we started as. Uh, so we'll take a look at your digital advertising, for example, and a lot of folks just go and put an ad on LinkedIn or on Facebook, it says promote this now, or even Instagram, it takes two seconds to promote one of your posts, but if you're not looking at how it's functioning and who it's attracting or thinking about that beforehand, uh, it, it's just going to be a waste of your money and it's not going to be effective for growing your business. So uh, that's a lot of what we do um, from a perspective. Mm-hmm. And show
0: them how to be more strategic or more analytical about what's working when they put
1: out something. And yep. That and helping them to navigate the myriad of marketing tools that are available now. There are a lot of great tools even on the analytics side, uh, but a lot of great tools that can allow basically anyone to execute marketing functions. Um, I do like to say that the reason marketing experts are still very relevant and important is. Um, I can go to Lowe's and buy a hammer and nails, but I do not know how to build a house. I have the tools, but that's not my expertise. And because of social media, a lot of people think they can do marketing themselves. Um, And some of them can, but just because I have a telephone doesn't mean I'm a good communicator. So I, I think that helping them to understand that and also the tools that they can use and why and how is also important and we get asked that a lot too.
0: That's a great analogy. (laughs) 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 I sort of feel like I should be able to do my social media or my marketing. Everyone feels that way. Do they?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say 90% of the people that I speak to feel that way. As I mentioned at the beginning, we do train folks to do that. So Northeastern University um, has been a client. I also teach there just as an aside. Um, But we worked a lot with their professors to um, understand how social media worked. and the difference between a personal brand and being an executive on there representing a corporate brand and how to kind of navigate those. Um, We started on Twitter in 2007 before most businesses were on there. So we've really been able to uh, travel that journey with our clients and help navigate. Um, I do remember one client in 2007, we said, "Twitter is gonna matter to businesses, you need to do this. And they thought we were crazy. We even brought in an outside expert. I don't know if you know him, but Chris Brogan. He's a, um, a very big marketing expert in the Boston area. He's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he was uh, uh, training at the time when we brought him in and said, but you have to listen to him if you're not going to listen to us. And they still didn't believe it. And uh, um, the evolution of how they then, a couple years later, had us training every every one of their executives on how to use social media uh, was interesting and fun. And, it's part of why I love my work. I love to see that evolution. Mm. Yeah, so what, what
0: are some of the best things that you like about the work that you do now?
1: Um, so as an agency, I get to work with a lot of different people, a lot of different companies in a lot of different areas. My clients right now, most of them are headquartered in Europe and have um, entities here or they're trying to enter the US market so I get to do a lot of helping them to understand the nuances and the differences between the European market and the US market and how people communicate and what they expect. So it's really the people that's um, most interesting but also the technologies that I get to learn about and I'm always learning something new, and I get to learn about things before the general public, which is always fun. And it's fun to think about how you can launch a product or a service to somebody and see the reaction, even if it's a small business, even if we're working with a local ice cream shop. But to watch them build the shop and, you know, get really excited about their new venture and then help them promote it and see, you know, a line out the door on the first day is really rewarding. And fun. Wow! Wow!
0: That's inspiring to think about. You know that someone can start. Uh, with a big bang yes, like that, yeah. and that it's possible if you do the right planning, you have the right people around you, and you engage someone like yourself or an organization, a business like yourself to help them create yeah. that because sometimes it's doable. you Sometimes not need
1: that at the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, and then you can, your, your team or yourself, depending, can go execute it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the thing with small businesses too, and, and to anyone out there that's listening that's thinking, like, can I start my own business you have to remember what your core expertise is and it's so easy to get caught up in the marketing and the PR because it's kind of fun it is kind of fun and getting your logo it's exciting or your first business card it's exciting or your website launched it's exciting but if you're an accountant that is not your expertise and you can get so caught up in it so you have to remember what your expertise is and trust to hire whether it's a consultant or an intern or your your cousin's daughter I don't care to take care of some of the Tactical things that have to happen, yeah. So, how does one,
0: you know, with all the the pulls to be on social media and all the engagement you have in all your businesses, how do you, what do you say about like maintaining a life at home?
1: That's a very good (laughs) question. Um, I've learned a lot over the years. Uh, One of the things we always used to say at the beginning of our company and every time we would hire a new employee is you need an office with a door because they all work from home. You need an office with a door and you need to close it at night. Don't take your laptop out. And I learned that from my own experience. I, I mean, I think when my boys were growing up, they thought that the laptop was an appendage for me. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little older in that I, went through the phase of technology and social media where, you know, Palm Pilots and then Blackberries and then iPhones and and the evolution of having this thing with you all of the time. And we got very caught up in it because it was exciting. Now I think because it's expected, it's a little easier to say, I'm not going to answer my phone on vacation. But there was a period of time where because you could, you were expected to. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to close the door at night whether you work from home or you work uh, from an office or both, lots of people do both now, and you have to remember your priorities uh, easier said than done because work, if you're like me, work can be so fulfilling and it's instantly fulfilling and you feel very important where going home and having toddlers pulling on your skirt and spilling mustard on you or whatever can be maddening, right? So but you have to remember in the long run how rewarding that work is too. And mm-hmm. that that is your priority. That's the long tail of life, not your job. Mm-hmm. Well said, thank you.
0: Well, I love to ask my guests to pull a card and just um, talk a little bit about whatever word is comes out.
1: Okay, celebration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a good one. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about The challenges of starting a business, or um, I know we've talked off camera a little bit about being a woman in business and some of those challenges that are unique to women. I think that this in particular makes me think about women or about um, new entrepreneurs and celebrating each milestone. If you do that, the journey is going to be much more pleasant rather than only waiting for the big milestone of, I don't know, 50,000 visitors on your first hour or or something like that. You you need to remember, especially as a leader, if you're starting your own business, to celebrate with your team, to celebrate the things that they do well along the way. Um, That's what it makes me think of.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: maybe with the kids, too. (laughs) Yes, so it's funny you say that at home, and I, I can't take credit for this, I think I saw it on. Pinterest or something Um, we have a jar a mason jar and for this year starting in January every time something good happens to anyone in the family or you know we have a milestone celebrated we write it down we write the month that it happened and we're putting it in the jar and then New Year's Eve we'll pull that out and we'll just remind each other about how the year went and all the great things that happened because it's so easy to focus on the negative things I mean that's a proven psychological fact that we focus on the negative things more than we focus on the positive things So that's one thing we're doing and another thing, a small thing that I try to do to help put more positivity out there in this world, especially in your social media feed, is uh, I do a hashtag called share the good on Facebook specifically and I just try to share inspiring posts because there's so many negative posts and there's so so much hate and divide out there right now and I want my feed to be positive. (laughs) Um, I still see some of those negative things, especially, you know, if you follow any sort of... um, in, uh, newscasts, but um, see doing more of those begets you more of those, and I think it's important for us to remember the positive things too.
0: And so, those are both great ideas. I love the jar. I love to share the good. Thank you so much. How m- would people get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out?
1: Uh, so Facebook, it's Christine Perkett. Um, it's P-E-R-K-E-T-T. Uh, you definitely can reach me there or Twitter. I'm pretty active. It's at Mrs. P, but it's M-I-S-S-U-S-P as in Perkett. Wonderful. And then from there, everything links. Everything links. (laughs) I know.
0: We're in a linked up world. Yep, we certainly are. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on. This was great talking to you. Thank you. This was a great pleasure of mine. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you found this episode as inspiring as I did. And If you are putting yourself out there, particularly in speaking, I have something that can help you feel more joy as you do it, which is a guided visualization for speaking confidence. And you can pick that up on my website at lindayugalo.com forward slash speaking confidence. And I hope you join us on the next episode of Women Inspired. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts, music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV.